He's uploading the virus. Eagle One, the package is being delivered. I don't know why that's so satisfying to hit that button and just have that play and broadcast. Maybe it reminds me of running soundboards uh, from musicals in high school. I don't know, but I do like it. Hello out there in Cyberland. Encrypted messaging apps. We all love them. You don't have to be doing anything shady to want to make your messages end-to-end encrypted. And for most people, there's dozens of options. Signal, Wicker, even WhatsApp boasts end-to-end encryption. Uh, But what if you need something a little more secure? Well, that's where companies like Sky Global and Phantom come in. These companies cater to a more discerning clientele with a need for a more secure messaging environment, uh, which is part of how they got into so much trouble with the feds. So with us today is motherboard journalist Joseph Cox, and he's going to tell us about his newest feature, Crime Boss or Tech CEO, an encrypted phone company sues the government to save itself. I'm Matthew Galt, and this is Cyber. JC, so... Thank you so much for coming on to the show once again and walking us through some of your reporting. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to get into it. Excellent. So let's, you know, let's start with the basics. What is Sky? What is a Sky ECC phone? What is Sky Global? Sure. So Sky Global is the company itself. And then their main product was Sky ECC, uh, which is, I mean, it's kind of more of a suite of software tools, you know, for sending encrypted messages to other Sky users, but they will preload it onto the phone and they will then sell you um, that device. Uh, you know, some companies may remove the GPS functionality as well. Some of them will remove uh, the microphone and then they go through various uh, iterations. And then towards the end of Sky's life cycle, I mean, it, it had worked on... Um, Blackberries, I think it worked on Androids, and I think also it worked on iOS um, as well. So it's more of a platform. You know, you could compare it somewhat to Wicker, but here you are typically buying like a, an actual device in the end. Okay, why why have that level of control over the product? Why put it on? Why kind of have this hollowed out phone that you're putting it on instead of just you know like Signal or even Wicker now does, where you just get the program? Yeah, I mean. That's a very good question and quite a complicated one uh, because it's going to start to go into the activity of particular distributors, their clientele, and how Sky was set up. So, I mean, I guess, first of all, you have the main Sky company, uh, which has the CEO, who we'll talk about shortly, Jean-Francois, and then there are staff, obviously, uh, at that company. Um, but they didn't really have a marketing or you know, an outreach, I guess, sort of team. So like many other encrypted phone companies in this space, they relied on uh, third-party or outside distributors. They would get the phones from Sky or whoever. Uh, then they would either sell them themselves or they would hire resellers underneath them to then go out onto the streets or in their phone shop or something like that. That does create um, room for abuse. When Phantom did something similar in Australia, we saw that Phantom distributors were just selling to organized crime there and Phantom uh you know, started to lean into that. Sky, there's something somewhat similar there, as in Sky distributors have sold these phones in particular geographical regions to particular um, criminal markets. So to answer more of your question about why would you sell a device, uh, partly the clientele may prefer a product like that. You know, if I'm paying $3,000 for a yearly subscription or whatever, I want an actual device. I don't really want to go to the Google Play Store and download anything Because some of these clients will have the perception that, well, no, that can't be trusted. If I'm paying three grand for a phone, that's probably going to be better. 
and then I guess also the other thing may be to try to keep people um, purely from a business sense, you know, a recurring subscription uh, sort of thing, but also a lot of these companies, and I believe including Sky, but maybe this changed over time, you could only communicate with other users of the same network. So another company called EncroChat, you can only chat to those people, Phantom, and then Sky as well. You kind of want to keep them in your ecosystem, not just necessarily your specific app. All right, well, let's get into, you know, let's explore some of this. I've got here the uh, the press announcement from March pulled up. What exactly is Sky Global being accused of then? Right, so, I mean, specifically... The CEO was indicted. Like Sky Global as an entity was not indicted, and that may sound like a pedantic point, but it kind of legally has quite some some significance later on. But the DOJ indicted Jean Francois, the CEO, as well as um, an alleged co-conspirator, I believe Thomas Herdman, uh, who was one of these distributors that I was talking about. And the DOJ alleges that these two facilitated. Um, a, a drug deal of over five kilograms of cocaine because of their facilitation of this crime by selling the phones. You know, it doesn't say that uh, these people were on the street dealing cocaine. It says they facilitated the criminal behavior by selling um, these phones. Now, the indictment itself, you know, it's not a criminal complaint. And it, it's an indictment, and those are two slightly different um, legal documents. So it doesn't go into really specific detail about any sort of the evidence that um, the DOJ actually has. Uh, but, you know, it's similar somewhat to the charges that Phantom uh, faced earlier. So you can draw some sort of parallels there. But yes, they're alleging that Sky deliberately and knowingly, I think is the actual technical term, facilitated crime. And that's why they're being charged here. And as part of this investigation, they seized 100 websites, the feds did, right? Yeah, they seized the web domains. And then, you know... Ordinarily, you may just think that, oh, well, they see some web domains, so what? I'll just make a new website or whatever. But for specifically for these encrypted phone companies, they're pretty vital. Not only is it your own main website that people may go to to buy a phone or find something else about the company, but those domains are also typically used for actually, they're actually using the infrastructure of sending messages, right? So, you know, some of them, I think skyglobal.com or whatever, the main one. And then I'm just. I'm just uh, saying these hypothetically because there are so many, but it could be something like securechat.info or something that was used to send some of the messages. With those seized uh, by the authorities, not only can Sky, you know, not market itself, and when you visit the website, it's a massive, you know, this domain has been seized by uh, U.S. federal authorities, but also they may literally not be able to actually route their uh, messages potentially as well, depending on how it's set up. So, I mean, it was catastrophic for Sky, and at the moment they're essentially... Uh, a dead company, and you know, in and the um, uh, council for the CEO have said that they've had to, you know, let quite a few people go from the company as well. And now, in response, they are suing the feds, right? Yes, yes. So specifically, um, lawyers working with uh, Jean Francois and I guess Sky a little bit uh, more generally, they have now sued the U.S. government, saying that you seize these domains um, illegally. And we don't need to get into the particular legal argument around that. We don't get to, uh, into that into the piece because it is just very, uh, you know, legal technicalities about the way that they're arguing here. But the more interesting bit is that the filing 
came with all sorts of arguments from the council, you know, saying that Sky is a legit, is and was a legitimate company, giving re- some reasons for that, but also including a bunch of other actual exhibits from within Sky that kind of show how the, um, the company actually operated. Yeah, I'm throwing up the motion to dismiss uh, right now, which is is included in your article. Um, mm-hmm. So, I guess why haven't I? This is this the first. This is the first time I'm hearing of Sky. Um, you know, I'd heard of Phantom a little bit, uh, but ahead of your reporting on Phantom, um, is there anything? Is is the clientele truly what distinguishes Sky? From other apps, you know, I know in the press announcement, it said that there are 70,000 Sky Global devices in use worldwide. Um, That seems like a drop in the bucket. That seems like pretty small potatoes. Relatively speaking, Sky is a pretty small company when it comes to the world of encrypted communications. The world of encrypted communications is so large now and so varied. I mean, as you said, when we opened WhatsApp, you know, probably the biggest chat platform on the planet is now end-to-end encrypted, right? You know, over a billion users or whatever. Um, Sky is nothing uh, compared to that, but kind of none of these companies are. Phantom's nothing compared to that. EncroChat isn't either. But they do still have um, audiences and user bases in the tens of thousands of users. I mean, that, as you say, that DOJ press release said there were 70,000 users uh, worldwide, Sky in its uh, recent filing says there were like something like 120,000, which you know is obviously quite a sizable difference. But we're still talking about tens of thousands of uh, users. And you know, to put it to put it quite bluntly, the reason you probably haven't heard of it is because they are not underground. That would be unfair to say, but they are niche for sure. You know, the the price is very unusual, paying thousands for the subscription. Uh, getting a phone, you'd go to the website potentially, or maybe you would know a distributor. And the fact of the matter is that Sky was a very popular phone among serious organized criminals. When we covered Phantom's expansion into Australia, uh, someone uh, with knowledge of that expansion, let's say, told me how Sky was offering promos to try to get some of Phantom's uh, user base. And then in Europe, um, European authorities also launched some sort of technical operation against Sky infrastructure that intercepted uh, a billion Sky messages and decrypted half a billion of messages uh, of those messages. So they've actually started to get content of what of what these people are talking about, and they've used that information to go and uh, dismantle alleged drug trafficking rings. You know, um, and and to be fair to Sky, I do want to stress that they do paint themselves as a legitimate company, and one. Uh, one sort of data point that they use to point to that is that when Sky shut down with its alleged 120,000 users, only around 6,000 apparently went to another encrypted phone company called Anon. Uh, we later found out that Anon was secretly uh, you know, puppet mastered by the FBI and it was a honeypot. But the point that Sky makes in their filing is that, look, we have 120,000 users, which the DOJ thinks you know they're all criminals or something like that, almost exclusively. And if only 6,000 of them went to a norm, you know, then what happened to the other, you know, 114,000, <laughs> I had to do the math in my head, of, um, of our user base, you know? And I have asked Sky to put me in touch with a legitimate customer, and I haven't been able to do that yet. And I would be very, very uh, grateful and curious to speak to one. But they do 
frame themselves as a legitimate company that is facing government overreach here in sense of, uh, and that's the reason for the lawsuit. Right. But part of, part of what's being adjudicated here is their reputation, right? Yeah. And, yes. And you're, and it sure seems, I mean, based on your reporting, you've got a lot of interesting emails, leaked documents in here um, that really makes it seem like without outright advertising to the criminal community, perhaps that they had gained a reputation for being very good for the criminal community. Is that accurate? That's probably fair to say, okay. you know, even, even though the DOJ alleges that the CEO specifically knew and deliberately facilitated, it's hard for us to say because we haven't seen the evidence that the DOJ has, right? But these exhibits that you mentioned, uh, which, are, you know, some are embedded and we also did get another leaked cache of documents as well from uh, somebody who actually sold Sky phones to criminals. They do show Sky um, banning people for being criminals, they do show Sky uh, deciding not to authorize someone to become one of their resellers because they said, hey, I'm going to sell it to criminals. Uh, that person told me that the application was a joke, but, you know, that is a file, that's an exhibit in there as well. So it does show some content moderation from Sky. I think that's, the, I think that's a fact. That is what these documents show. But the key point is that all of the documents that Sky gave to me and they included uh, in their filing as exhibits, they're either undated or they're all after 2018, which is when Phantom was shut down by the DOJ. Um, now, look, maybe, and I believe this is the case, Sky did have a terms and conditions on its website before 2018 or around that time saying, you know, please don't sell to criminals and we don't cater to criminal activity. But it's a different thing to have a sort of legal paragraph on your website and actually enforcing those terms. You know, it's almost a content moderation argument that we'd usually have with Facebook or Twitter or something like that, right? But the evidence they showed me did not show enforcement pre-2018. It was all post-2018, um, which still means they were enforcing. But, you know, it really does seem like this DOJ prosecution of Phantom was sort of a wake-up call uh, for a lot of the people in this industry. Yeah, I just... <laughs> I want to zero in on the that application. Um you reached out to this guy and you did talk to him and he did say it was a joke and just based in context, it feels pretty jokey, right? You know, mm -hmm. question eight, have you ever declared bankruptcy or ran a company that became insolvent? Yes. Here that's normal. He's in Montenegro. Um, <laughs> I do love, uh, oh, where, where, where is it? Like, who do you plan to sell these to? And he literally says, uh, politicians and criminal political. There it is. Tell us about the types of end consumers you'll be selling to political party, comma, and criminals. Well, right? there you go. I mean, when you make it that obvious, <laughs> you know, uh, but I mean, look, to be fair, look, okay. The, uh, again, this is an exhibit in the filing. Sure. This is sky presenting some of the evidence. The guy told me it was a joke. Sure. Whatever. But, the funny thing is, people who I know are genuine sellers of some of these phones. Not necessarily Sky specifically. I think the one I'm thinking of in my head was actually Phantom. But they are sometimes on their Instagram accounts just saying, yeah, you know, fuck the cops, come buy one of our phones. I mean, it's really that blatant. Or there's marketing sometimes with, you know, very expensive luxury watches and their, their designer bags or whatever. And they're advertising this lifestyle as well. Um but that also briefly touches on something else Sky did. One of the documents was, and we, I don't think we embedded the full thing, but it was quite long. Um, but it was like a, a very large list 
of all of these websites and Twitter accounts and Instagram handles or whatever that were advertising Sky products. And next to each, there was like, oh, uh, it was clearly Sky's own content moderation notes. They were saying, oh, this one is saying something about the authorities. This one is like having a, an undertone about crime. And then here's what we're going to do about it. We've contacted the seller. We, we, we've got Instagram to remove the account. Um, we've, we've done some other sort of enforcement mechanism. So they clearly did go out and try. And in some cases, they even did what they describe as secret shopping, which um, from other documents in the cache, I kind, of uh, I kind of figured out that that's when they go and they'll direct message, you know, the seller posing as a customer and try to figure out, oh, okay, this person is selling these phones and are they official or not? Or are they, you know, being sketchy? Um, so there was definitely some effort there for sure. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. I, I, I still have just so many questions, but I want to back up a little bit and explain. Mm-hmm. Um, they sold their product in a very particular way. Right. And it was a way designed to kind of insulate themselves from the end user. Can you kind of explain mm. that? I think that's really important here. Yeah, sure. So as I said, initially, they use this distributor and reseller model, you know, hiring almost independent parties or having a working relationship with third parties because they did not really have a marketing team on the ground. That is how they frame it in their, um, in their filing. Like that was a reason for it. Um, but that does also create potentially some sort of buffer between the main company and the people on the ground actually selling the phones. You know, maybe in Sky's eyes, they'd be like, well, look, we weren't going out and selling the, the phones to criminals. That was our distributors. We told them not to sell to criminals. They did it anyway. You can't, you know, hold us accountable for that. Whereas obviously the DOJ is saying, no, no, you knowingly facilitated this. Um, so that's kind of a key question, really. You know, did Sky encourage or knowingly uh, help the distributors to, to do that sort of thing? I imagine, of course, lawyers working for Jean-Francois are going to say no, but that is kind of what it hinges on, um, ultimately. You know, because even though this is a content moderation sort of discussion, we're not talking about, you know, whether Facebook left up some content or not. We're talking about whether a company knowingly sold phones to organized crime which, very generally speaking, have been used in you know drug trafficking and, and that sort of thing. This is not the same uh, as a, as a Facebook or, or, or a Twitter, really, because there is a much greater emphasis on the actual end user. You know, there's another data point here that I think is really interesting that really uh, made my eyebrows raise when I saw it. Um, one of their touted features is that they will remotely wipe the phone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tell me, tell us about that. Sure. So, I mean, first off, Apple does have sort of a, well, it does have a remote wipe feature, right? You know, if you lose your phone, you can activate the find my phone setting and it will, uh, I mean, I haven't used it in a while, but I think it will remove, you know, the documents on there and the files on there. So if it does fall into the wrong hands, nobody's going to be able to break into it, right? Then you go to the Apple store and you get a new phone or, or whatever. Um, here, it's a little bit different. 
because you could contact either Sky directly if you have the ability to do that, or you would contact a Sky reseller, you know, the distributor you bought, you bought the phone from, and you would tell them, hey, um, I've lost my phone or it's no longer in my possession. Please wipe it. And, you know, in a lot of cases, Sky would uh, probably do that. The key change is when um, Sky seemingly started to enforce this policy where it would not wipe the devices if they knew it was in the hands of law enforcement. So some of the um, exhibits included with the filing, they have emails where the reseller who's like asking for the wipe or is in contact with Sky about it is saying, hey, uh, so these two customers, (laughs) their phones are with the police. Uh, could you please wipe them? And Sky is replying, no, we can't do that. It's against our terms of service and we will comply with all lawful investigations or something to those effects. And there's a few examples in there as well. Um, So that's all fine. But I spoke to somebody who actually sold phones to criminal users, uh, sold the Sky devices. And he said that, look, the solution is, and this is what he basically told customers, the solution is don't tell me what you want the wipe for. Don't tell me it's in the hands of police. Just tell me, hey, I want the phone wiped. Okay, I will then carry out the wipe. He didn't have to contact Sky. He could just do it himself. Um, So there's that sort of culture of silence, um, which is kind of how the DOJ described it in, in, I believe, the announcement, where don't ask, don't tell sort of um, mentality. Um, But beyond that, you know, the person who sold phones that I spoke to he said, look, probably I would wipe it anyway, even if you did tell me, because this is, these are the sorts of people who are distributing the phones. You, you, you know, they are working pretty directly with organized criminal figures. And if they want to maintain a relationship with their customer, they kind of need to do what the customer says, at least from a purely business point of view. And I, I thought this source was pretty interesting. You, you quote them throughout. You've talked to them quite a bit. Um, can you tell me what their contention is about uh the kind of customers that sky was uh courting and what sky possibly knew about those customers um hard to say because obviously you have to uh, protect that particular source but mm-hmm. all i would say is that they they did sell phones um to criminal um end users but whether sky was aware of that I mean, they they would have had a lot of distributors and a lot of um, resellers. You know, the, the co-conspirator who was also indicted, along with Jean-Francois, uh, a guy called Thomas Herman, apparently he was a uh, the international distributor. Uh, Sky was based in Canada itself, but of course it, you know, stretched overseas. Um, and they alleged that he did know. Now, you know, whether it then goes further up the chain and whether Jean-Claude knows, you know, that's something else. Uh, but certainly the people who are on the ground, you know, face to face with the criminals, um, they, maybe it's not spelled out explicitly for them, but generally they're going to know who um, their customers are potentially. Yeah. I just want to quote from the article directly here, if I can, uh, of course mm-hmm. they know, of course they know one person mm-hmm. who sold sky phones to criminals told motherboard. When asked if they thought Sky itself knew it was providing devices to criminals, right? And I mean that is the key thing that the DOJ um, has to prove, right? You know, if this goes to trial, we honestly don't really know yet. I thought one of the most interesting things in the filing was that, as mentioned, Sky is based in Canada, um, but Jean-François is still there. Apparently, apparently there has been no, um, at least, um, visible. 
effort to extradite him. You know, we don't really know what's going on behind the scenes. You know, the Canadian authorities said, well, we can't tell you whether that started or not because that's a state-to-state uh, secret. But he's still out and, and still in Canada. So, you know, it's not like the Phantom case where they got uh, the Phantom CEO in the hotel room trying to put him, trying to get him to put a back door in and then he escaped and they eventually arrested him. Um, it's nothing like that. Uh, he is somewhat free, I guess, uh, at least free enough to mount a legal case like this. Yeah. Can we dig in? I, I think that's really an interesting and a, and a good distinction um, because this has happened before, mm-hmm. right? Phantom being, I think, the highest profile case, and I will link it here in the uh, in the chat here in just a second. But can you can you give us the rundown on Phantom and like what they were accused of and kind of where the case stands at the moment? Yeah. So I mean, Phantom was kind of a pioneer in this space. You know, they weren't necessarily the first company, but they were definitely probably the first big one. You know, they also started in Canada. Um, and we did a something like a 10,000 word investigation into them uh, last year. Um, obviously, it took longer than that, but that's when we published it. And they started just locally giving phones to VIPs, to athletes, to rappers, that sort of thing. But then they did manage to expand to Australia and then that's where it really took off and organized crime figures started buying uh, these phones in that area. Um, the key point is that Vince Ramos kind of first kind of put uh, Vince Ramos being the CEO of Phantom first put his sort of fingers in his ears about being um, used by a criminal base and then later um, leaned into that market. Uh, and crucially, uh, the use of uh, an informant basically got Ramos in a hotel room in Las Vegas uh, where he was conversing with two people he thought were drug traffickers trying to buy the phones from him. And he told them, look, we made the phone for this. We made it for exactly this. And the DOJ interpreted that as we made it for drug trafficking. Um, Later on, uh, various law enforcement officials get Ramos in a hotel room again, ask him to put a back door into the phone. Uh, he He doesn't want to or he can't. It's kind of unclear. He later tries to escape to the Canadian border um, and is captured uh, by the authorities, you know, and actually does um, face uh, the judicial system. He pleads guilty and then gets nine years in prison. And now that is basically the textbook example now of what happens with encrypted phone companies, or at least what may happen. You know, there's some sort of operation against them. Maybe there's a technical element like a backdoor or a hack or something like that. They'll try and get the founders or the CEO and then uh, try to get them in prison. Some of the operations vary, but that's the arc that I imagine authorities are um, trying to go for. And that was, as I mentioned, basically the the wake-up call for this entire industry. Not only did you have Sky seemingly enforcing policies after that, I mean, just recently we reported that another company called Cypher, which is also very popular in Australia, they've kind of cut off the Australian market entirely like if you are a reseller in australia you're not allowed to do that and my understanding is that criminals have found a workaround you know they'll buy it from outside australia and then bring the phones over but if you get caught they'll um cut you off and cypher is seemingly also introduced like a free app on the google play store kind of like a wicker um my my sort of reader read on that just potentially is that we, it would be very useful to have a more varied user base beyond criminals. And one way to do that would be to release a free app. That's just pure speculation on my part. We're trying to read the tea leaves of that decision. Um, but then you look in the reviews of the app and people are like, why are you releasing a, new, uh, a free app? This isn't a fucking game. 
you know, potentially from from some angry uh, user of the paper. Yeah, you know, capitalism is a bitch. Um, uh-huh. Why is why does Australia play such a central part in so many of these stories? Australia is a gold mine for drug trafficking. You know, I don't, I can't remember the exact figures like today off the top of my head, but it was something like, you know, cocaine can sell for like eight times in Australia than it does in the United States. Obviously, it's an island nation. Uh, it can be pretty hard to get stuff there. And organized criminals see uh, almost, well, maybe not unique, but a fantastic opportunity in Australia that if you can get somebody um, at a dock or a port of entry, uh, to flip and then to help you get drugs in what organized criminals, especially in Australia, called doors. If you have a door, you can make a hell of a lot of money, either on fentanyl or methamphetamine, especially in Australia, or, you know, the usual stuff like cocaine as well. Um, and we see that not just from criminals inside Australia itself, you know, people born and raised in Australia, but you also see, you know, from triads in Asia and even American criminals as well trying to make money over there. If you want to make a hell of a lot of money from drugs, you try to get it into Australia, basically. And of course, that's where the phones come in. Uh, you can actually use them to somewhat more safely uh, organize that sort of work. So another thing I want to hit um, that I'm really curious about, and we've kind of danced around it and like talking about content moderation on Facebook and places like this. Um, a lot of criminal activity happens on a lot of other different apps, Right. It happens on Instagram, uh, I think, is the most high-profile and famous, and you've reported on that and written about that before. Um, Signal, I'm, you know, I don't know for a fact, but I'm sure drug dealers are happening across Signal. Uh, what is the line that makes the feds come after you? Yeah, I mean, just before I answer that, I guess I would say Wicca is also um, definitely heavily used by criminals. I mean, every day or every couple of days, I will get like a message from somebody who's just advertising drugs on Wicca. It'll be a copy and paste message like, hey, here's the new prices for Coke or weed or LSD uh, or whatever. And it's almost kind of similar to the Silk Roads and, and the Alpha Bays of the world on the dark web, you know, where you kind of just advertise it and maybe you uh, buy the drugs in Bitcoin or something like that. But you also certainly have organized criminals on the platform as well. You know, when I've been reporting on various. Um, in crypto phone stories, you know, that is where a lot of people will be reaching out or I will be trying to contact them on Wicker, which is interesting because obviously that is, uh, it has a free product, you know, that people, anybody can download. They also sell um, specific products to the US and uh, to the US government and then private businesses as well. They were funded by, you know, InQtel, the sort of CIA um, venture capital fund. And now they just got bought by Amazon. So it's a complete mess of all of these different motivations and um, companies and entities intertwined. But I don't think the U.S. government views it as a sky or a phantom secure, because I imagine um, there is a division. You, you know, you have this free app and that's always been there as far as I know. It's not like Cypher, who only introduced it later. As far as I can remember, the free version of Wicker was basically always there. Maybe it wasn't at the start, but that's how I've always remembered Wicker. So they can reliably say, you know, we've always just been a free open platform and we probably take down accounts when we get asked or, or, or something like that, perhaps. Um, that, that's the flip. That's the flip side of these other companies, which weren't an open 
user base. They weren't a free-to-download app like WhatsApp or Signal or, or, or Wicker, obviously. That seems to be um, the difference here, at least when it comes to the idea of growth and the idea of like building your audience. It sounds like you know something you may just think about if you're making a, a startup or something, but it turns out it actually has some pretty serious legal implications as well. Well, I think that just about covers all of this. I'm sure you're going to be watching the case. What's the next thing that's going to happen, do you think? What are we waiting on? Um, yeah, so, I mean, that filing has been put into court in California, I believe. Now, I guess we just have to wait, you know, either for the government to respond. I imagine they have an opportunity to do that or, or ultimately, you know, for the judge to decide, well, yes, give those domains back to Sky. I mean, all of the exhibits were super inter- uh, super interesting and that sort of thing. We have to remember the filing is ultimately uh, telling the court, please get the government to give us back our web domains. And let's just assume that Sky is successful in that. I don't know the likelihood either way. But if they're successful, they could try and resurrect their company. You know, their CEO will still be indicted. This is not going to throw out the charges. And um, so it still could be pretty complicated for, from, from that point of view. But, you know, Sky could try to... Uh, resurrect itself now. And one of the main reasons we covered this uh, was just because this is so unusual. When EncroChat got shut down by, um, uh, well, got hacked by French authorities and then the, the owners disappeared, you know, they, they just vanished. Uh, Vincent Ramos, as I've said, was arrested and now sits in prison. It's not every day that you see the CEO of an encrypted phone company say, first of all, I'm, I'm innocent and I'm actually going to fight Maybe not explicitly the charges, but something around it as well, you know, by hiring these lawyers and, and reaching out ultimately to journalists like myself. Um, it's a pretty fascinating case, and it does bring up really interesting questions about the contours of kind of what you touched on. What's, it, what's the difference between a quote-unquote legitimate encrypted app like a Wicker and a Sky? You know, where is that line? Because it's certainly, it, it, I don't think it's necessarily a slam dunk. I think it's really in... The, the details where you have to figure that out. Joseph Cox, thank you so much for coming on to Cyber and walking us through this. The article is Crime Boss or Tech CEO, an encrypted phone company sues the government to save itself. Uh, you can find that and other fine articles on motherboard.vice.com. Thank you for watching the Twitch stream. This will uh, remain here as a VOD and then we'll be on. Uh, Uh, in podcast form soon. But if you'd like to get the live broadcast, please follow us. You'll get notified when we start. Um, JC, I know it's a holiday week here in America, uh, but you are always working on something utterly fascinating. Uh, Can you tease us at all? Can you give us anything about what you're working on? More stuff on the encrypted phones. You know, there is, there, there's just so much to talk about. Here and we've been covering it at Motherboard for, for years and years now, you know, since 2015, 2016, but it's gonna keep going. Alright. Thank you all again. We will see you next week for another cyber. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.